hello. Welcome to the Multitask. This is John Moore. It's your boy Fadi. What's up, guys? And it's been a week. Yeah. Our boy Rudy. Rudy Rudy was at it. Ru- Rudy decided that he was going to, well, for those of you who don't know who Rudy is, and not Rudy the football player, <laughs> no. but Rudy Giuliani, the former mayor of New York, uh, Trump's attorney, uh, he decided to have a press conference this week, and it was uh, it was it was pretty funny to, if, if I say that myself. Yeah, it's hard to top total landscaping, but he certainly tried with this attempt. Well, I you know it was funny early on. I noticed he was sweating, sweating profusely, yeah. but I didn't notice that he was going to have the problem with the dye. Yeah, and it, it reminded me of my freshman year of college. I had this teacher named Professor McWhorter, and Professor McWhorter one time <laughs> broke out sweating. And my boys and I were dying laughing because, sure enough, black dye was running down his face. And that's all it reminded me of was my freshman year of college with Professor McWhorter. But but it became a mockery. And, and the funny thing is, the the dye running down Rudy's face was probably not the most mockable element of the entire press conference. Yeah, I think he quoted uh, my cousin Vinny at some point, And um, people were going along with it for some reason. I will say something about the dye. It's interesting that... Um, and this was in the news this week with Republicans calling for to bring back manliness. And they were going after um, uh, Harry Styles for wearing a dress. And they're like, where are the men? And then their poster boys are Trump, who gets a tan every day. And then Rudy Giuliani, who has to dye his hair. And it's like, these guys aren't the poster childs for that either. But yeah, you're, you're right on target. It was a mockery. It was, um, I think someone, someone pointed out, like, if your lead attorney's sweating profusely quoting my cousin Vinny you're probably not in a good shape so that's what it's it's just symbolism of where they are in this this part of the process and the worst part about it was Rudy wasn't even the biggest joke of that press conference there there was this woman um uh, Sydney what do you know Sydney's last name um yeah. the, the attorney the other the other attorney the female attorney um she's a, the uh, attorney that's representing Michael Flynn she came up with some crazy stuff she was tying these dominion machines to hugo chavez who's dead and george soros she bought antifa up she bought a black lives matter i mean it was like the potpourri of all of the things about the left or the alleged left that the right hates the way the right looks at george soros is like he's thanos and he just is all powering all encompassing yeah i mean they're gonna throw stuff at the wall so something sticks nothing's stuck so far so it's fortunate for us well you know the thing is is it's not even a matter of nothing sticking um a lot of people mm. uh including a gentleman from the homeland security who, who trump had just fired the krebs guy um they felt it was dangerous i mean because what you're doing is you're actually having this press conference where the president's lawyer and no matter how crazy he is right no matter how crazy he is he still is the president's lawyer He's making accusations that really truly undermine the American confidence in our elections. Yeah, and that, that's 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 something that while we make jokes and while we're having fun on Twitter going viral and stuff, what I am proud of that we're, none of us are taking this um, lightly. I think everybody is saying what exactly what it is. It's demeaning the the election process. It's it's sowing um, um, distrust in the system. And I think it's going to come back and bite them. I, I don't know exactly how yet. We're seeing in Georgia, there's, if you go on parlor and you look around, they're saying, hey, if we don't trust the Georgia system, why are we voting? And that's the, the, the right saying that. You have people who vote in every single election saying, hey, if they're just going to give it to Biden anyways, why are we even voting? So it might come back to bite them if, if, if the right doesn't show up in Georgia and vote in the runoffs. Yeah, well, I, I, did, I did think it was pretty interesting that 
um, on parlor, a lot of the Trump supporters are threatening to boycott the Georgia election, which, you know, I, I definitely support or, or well, some of them are thinking about boycotting. Others are thinking about writing in Trump. Either way, Either way as a Democrat, I'm, I'm concerned about this because yeah. we don't know. I mean, if Trump wins that Senate race, what are we going to do if he gets all these votes? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's crazy, but, you know, going back to, you know, what, what, um, the uh, Mr. Krebs said, it's it's just dangerous because with every step they take, every time they try to do something, in many ways we know that it won't work, but it makes you a little nervous because of how crazy things have been during the Trump administration. Plus, like I say, it keeps undermining people's belief in our system. Well, what we're seeing is Trump's realizing that it's not working, right? At first it started off that we have the votes. Let's finish counting all the votes. We'll win. Once they finished counting all the votes, it was over and Biden won. So Trump said, all right, well, we got to canvas and, and audit all these votes because the signatures are wrong or there's dead people voting. So Trump was basing, was was backing up on that. Once we did that, we realized that, no, dead people didn't vote. Two signatures might have changed here or there. Biden still won. So he went from trying to do it the right way or the legal way. And now he's just bringing in Michigan elected officials and trying to just tell them just to give it to him, not to, not to ratify the election, uh, just to give it, to, just to write in Trump's name and ratify it for him. So we've seen the process that Trump's going through. He's trying to do everything. And then now he's at the point where he's just demanding that people just give him the election. Right. By the way, that lawyer's name was Sidney Powell. And as okay. I said, she's the attorney that's representing Michael Flynn. And if that's the type of legal representation Michael Flynn has, yeah he might still be doing jail time. Yeah, for sure. He might still be doing jail time. Uh, but in addition to the craziness that they pulled in D.C., they tried to pull a lot of mess. I should say crap, but we'll call it mess. Uh, in Michigan this week, when they, when the uh, Wayne County Board of Canvassers uh, initially had said, the two Republicans had said, um, we're not going to uh, confirm this. We're not, we're, we're not going to approve of this vote total. Yeah, they, the, the, the biggest thing for me is they call that a deadlock and it's not, it's not a deadlock. They were just refusing to do the right thing. That's just being wrong. It was a, uh, it was two Republicans and two Democrats who, who the two Republican officials didn't want to uh, ratify it for Biden. And then Trump started bragging about it on Twitter and Kaylee started bragging about it on Twitter. And it was like the historic win for Trump. And then an hour later, they, it was unanimous that they ratified it for Joe Biden because of public outrage. There was a Zoom meeting, a, a town hall meeting, I think on Zoom, and everybody was going at them. The internet was in uproar. All the social media was in uproar. And, and that just goes to show you, we cannot be silent in these moments. When they try to do stuff like this, even if it does, it's not gonna work, we have to, we have to always uh, speak our minds. And, and that helped. And within an hour, I think they just, they overturned it. If you've never heard of the saying, or you don't know what the saying, read someone for filth yeah these two uh commissioners or these two members uh these two republican members of the wayne county uh canvassing board uh they got read by read for yeah. filth uh that one gentleman that came in and Ned. basically and yeah. i've always thought i've always thought that this is the most effective argument against republicans is telling them that history's not going to look too kindly on them i think he went so far as to say that their kids would be ashamed of them their grandchildren but it, it, I mean, it was to show you how um, bogus it was. They at one point said, we'll go ahead and we'll approve it if we can exclude Detroit. Yeah. And the thing that's really messed up about that was 
of all of the different jurisdictions within Wayne County, the one that had maybe was the most problematic was Livonia, yeah. not Detroit, but they were going to willing to include that in the total count. Because Detroit, I think, is 85% black. So they're always going to go after the black counties because they, they feel like they could get away with it. They want to disenfranchise those black voters. They've tried to do it for decades. They did it before the election. They did it during the election. So I'm not surprised that they're going after these. And even in Pennsylvania, they were going after Philadelphia County and, and, and stuff like that. So it's not surprising that they're going after um, Detroit because that's where Biden, that's what swung Michigan towards Biden was Detroit. Right. And then right after, so they went ahead, they voted to approve, and then um, Trump had egg on his face, mm -hmm. uh, all of his attorneys had egg on their face, a lot of people had eggs on their face. So then, uh, I think it was Wednesday night, um, the two the two Republicans signed affidavits and they reversed, or they claimed to reverse their decision. And it was, it was, it was, it was a comedy of errors, but they literally tried to, you know, and, and it was after Trump called them. It was after Trump called them, they reversed what they said. Now they they didn't they go to the White House? They were the, the White House, right? No, no. Well, that was the two state reps, the, okay. the two state legislators, the state senator and the state um, representative, well, the Speaker of the House and the, the majority leader and Republicans. But no, I'm talking about the two members of the Wayne yeah, County yeah. board. They basically got calls from Trump and they switched their decisions. So I want to know, uh, is this a case where he put pressure on him. Now, they said he didn't put any pressure on him, but this is why Trump has no business calling these people. Yeah. He has no business calling them because it gives the impression, it gives people the perception that he may have exuded undue pressure for them to go ahead and kind of recant their stories. Even if Trump doesn't say it, a phone call alone from the president of the United States is pressure by itself. Same thing with Georgia, that, that GOP rep who was saying Lindsey Graham called him and, and Donald Trump called him. Like That's election fraud on some level and, and it's corruption, but you're not going to hear the Republicans cry out for that. If it was on the other side, there would be hearings by now. So it's unfortunate that we've come to this uh, this place in, in, our, in our country's history where Republicans are just outright trying to steal an election. But um, I have faith in the system and the institutions, and I hope that once Biden's sworn in, we could uh, reinforce those with, with laws. I hear they're trying to go after mail-in voting now and saying it's unconstitutional in Pennsylvania, just just in general, all mail-in voting. So, um, Right, well, right. Well, and we'll see what's happening is the, the Trump team, the Trump campaign is trying to mess with legislators mm -hmm. and trying to get them to change uh, their votes and do things differently. And one of the things that was fascinating going back to Michigan was and this is what I think you were talking about uh, a few minutes ago, was after his gambit with the um, the, the election board or whatever that uh, body of um, governance is, he went ahead and he invited the Speaker of the House of the Michigan uh, State Legislature and the majority leader, both Republicans, to the White House. Now, both had previously said that they were going to honor the will of the folks, yeah. but a lot of people were really, really nervous as these two jetted across yesterday morning to meet with the president. And there's rumors that Trump's going to try to get the legislature, legislature, legislators, I'm sorry, from uh, Pennsylvania to come and visit him as well. Yeah, like I said earlier, he's going to try to do as much as he can while he's in office. He's only about two months left today, so. Um... We'll see. I don't like. I said I have faith in the institutions, and I have faith that uh, that it's going to backfire on them. But the fact that he's just sowing doubt is the biggest issue right now. So 
Uh, I'm glad that he hasn't had success so far, but he still has 60 days to try to do something off the wall. Right. Well, and it's, it, it, it's, it's going to be scary for some folks because mm-hmm. like I say, most of the stuff, 95% of it, 99% of it won't work, mm-hmm. but just that little sliver of things working where you think all that he's gotten away with, um, all that is that we run the risk of having blow up in our face. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little scary, but I thought was really interesting. And we don't know if they'll follow through on it is the um, two members of the uh, Michigan legislature who did show up, they actually bought um, a letter requesting that the president sign off with some COVID relief for Michigan. But of course, um, one of the things that happened was when, uh, after they met at the White House, they went and stayed at Trump Tower or the Trump Hotel last night. They had lots of drinks as they were photographed without masks and everything. And so there's still a little hesitancy. And then of course, today, the Republican National Committee, as well as the uh, Michigan Republican Party, are now calling on the statewide canvas board not to approve the results. So uh, it looks like it's gonna, you know, potentially blow up in Trump's face, but uh, it's hard to say, you know, which way it'll go. I mean, it's, it's you know, tonight, tonight is Saturday, this will be airing on Monday, but tonight is Saturday. Um, the case that the Trump team tried to uh, mount in Pennsylvania basically got kicked out mm-hmm. and um there you know that was another one that got tossed and the judge i've not read the opinion but evidently the judge kind of took rudy to task yeah that's what i read too but it just so happened recently so i haven't caught up just yet it's we'll see it's gonna it's gonna be a a a, a moment of time so uh this coming week is thanksgiving yeah and uh what are your plans for thanksgiving well we're, we're home we're not inviting anybody we're not um bringing the families on gathering we're trying to be as safe as possible and um, I urge everyone to follow that. You know, I, I usually cook Thanksgiving dinner uh, myself, so that, that's not going to change, but we're not going to be surrounded by a bunch of people. So we're, we're going to play it cautiously. Yeah, uh, we're, we're doing the same. It's about a smaller turkey. Yeah. A much smaller turkey. There's, there's, a, uh, there's, a, there's a demand for those smaller turkeys. <laughs> well, it, like I said, I, I bought my turkey uh, Thursday. Uh, or no Wednesday. I never buy my turkey on Wednesday, uh, but the uh, the Wednesday to a week and a half before, a week a week and a day before, I should say. Yeah. But uh, I had no confidence that the smaller turkeys were going to be in circulation because obviously everybody is doing uh, their Thanksgivings at home, mm-hmm. uh, not with their extended family. So they have a situation where they have to do everything they can to, uh, you know, get these smaller turkeys. And I guarantee you probably come Friday or Saturday, maybe even as late as this Wednesday, I guarantee you the price on those big turkeys is probably going to drop. It's already kind of low already, but I, I guarantee you those prices are going to drop. I don't know. I, I From what I read, there's a there's a shortage on them because even though, because usually people get together, like three households might get together, but now they're all doing a turkey each. So from what I read, the hams and the turkeys are, are running out. So if, if you guys don't have one, I'd go out and get one safely. Well, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we definitely, you know, are having these these smaller Thanksgiving gatherings because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, COVID has changed the way we do things. As you know, we hear about all the time is uh, one of the things a lot of people have talked about is if you want to have uh, to make sure that you're not spending, you know, Christmas in the ICU, make sure that you do uh, Thanksgiving via Zoom. Yeah, it's scary. And and, and did you see all the people at the uh, airports, whether it was Sky Harbor in Phoenix or O'Hare in Chicago? Did you see all those people that just thought they're okay? I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to travel. 
Yeah, it's unfortunate. I know Rachel Maddow had a big uh, viral moment where she was urging people not to travel and some people changed their minds. But the the Trump's COVID czar, Scott Atlas, was saying, yeah, definitely go visit your grandparents because this might be their last Thanksgiving. It's just ridiculous, the advice that he's giving and, and he's not qualified to give. So um, it's still going. It's still high as it's ever been. Every A lot of states are setting records every single day. In Illinois, we've been setting records every single day. It's only going to get worse. I think here in Illinois, we have a soft shutdown, I call it. It's not super strict, but it's a, it's a heavy urging to stay home, especially. I, I think they're worried about Christmas and Thanksgiving, people gathering. So I think they're trying to urge people as much as possible to stay home, stay socially distant, and, uh, and play it safe. Yeah, um, you know, it, it, it's... It's scary uh, because our hospitals are getting full. If you're looking at the reports, um, there's fewer beds available, mm -hmm. fewer um, uh, IC, ICU rooms available. And, you know, it's it's not just people getting COVID. Uh, I have elderly parents, dad's 86, mom's 81. I have a sister with chronic conditions. I just like to be able to take them to the hospital yeah. and know that they can get care or treatment uh and and not have to wait it, i mean it, it's it's just really really scary because our hospitals being overwhelmed with with so many people so many sick people it's it's going to have a devastating effect you know that is going to harm people and that and, and these are the people who are doing the right things who are taking the necessary yeah. precautions and doing everything they can but they might go ahead they might have a heart attack they might have uh uh, uh they might slip and fall there's all sorts of things that will happen and I just worry about if these people are going to get treatment. Yeah, there's people who just have chronic illnesses and chronic situations that need hospital attention, whether it's people who are on dialysis or people who um, are, are cancer and, and have to go get chemo. Those are people that you need space in the hospitals for. And what, I'm, what we're also seeing is a supplemental, not just the hospitals, right, the urgent cares and the ERs and, and the regular, your primary care doctors are getting overwhelmed with not only COVID stuff, but flu stuff. It's hard to tell the difference nowadays, um, which is just a big problem. And, and you also just worry about testing, right? There's just a shortage of testing. And, and as far as Illinois, I know people are waiting sometimes hours, if not days to get a test. So it's unfortunate that our, our, our system's overwhelmed like this. And I hope that we could turn it around uh, soon. You know, in Illinois, uh, just today, today is Saturday, 120,000 people got tested yesterday. Yeah. Um, so, um, and what's funny, my father had a procedure on uh, yesterday morning. She had to get tested on Wednesday, and they're now doing what I call, what is the batch testing. You know how the batch testing works? Essentially, rather than going ahead and I take, you take a test, I take a test, and they test us specifically, what they do is they test in batches. So they'll take a number of people, they'll drop them, and then if no one comes up positive, then they're all good. But then if they, but when they drop a batch, if they go ahead and see that somebody came up positive, then they'll look specifically at who it was. Gotcha. So batch testing is one way to speed up the process. But I just noticed when my, when my dad got his results, they mentioned that his test was a batch test. Gotcha. But these are some of the things. And um, the good news is that, you know, we hopefully will have some vaccines. Uh, will, will you be uh, making sure you get vaccinated? If, if, if it's after January 20th, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, look, Fauci came out. I think Fauci was yearning. People were yearning for Fauci to come out and say, 
how safe are these tests that 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 um, the two companies who were working on? Um, he came out and said, "There's nothing wrong here. These tests are on schedule. They're early. They're fast, but they're on schedule and they're good to go." The people think that their vaccine is going to be ready soon. It will be, but the problem is distribution, right? Like we're not going to have hundreds of millions of, of vaccines. They're going to focus on um, people who need them first and focus on uh, people who are uh, have pre-existing conditions, and then they're going to start to get to the public. So I, I think they're aiming at the summer to get regularly vaccine for everybody. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, is that even with the vaccines, I don't think we'll be back to normal until late second quarter, maybe, you know, middle of the summer. So don't sit there and think, oh, we got vaccines. Oh, 2021, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I'm thinking the end of, I think at the end of next summer is where what I'm looking at as well. Yeah, and, 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 um, but I think the thing is, is I also wonder, Okay, so we get vaccinated and we're, we're doing things. Are you going to still, are you going to be running to doing social things? Are you going to still be masking up? See, I'd like, I would not mind to see us um, exercising some of the behaviors that we've learned and have been trying to learn in practice. I would not mind to see us continuing those probably for the entire calendar. Even if we have the reassurance that there's a vaccine, I don't think it's a bad idea for us to be cautious just a little bit longer. Like just don't get a vaccine and just go wild out. Well, I think there's going to be some change behavior forever there. I think handshakes are generally going to be gone for now. Um, In my culture, in the middle Eastern culture, we kiss every time we see somebody twice. So I think that's going to be gone for a long time. I think people are going to wear masks on planes for a long time. I personally will probably never fly again without wearing an N95 mask just out of abundance of precaution. It's, it's it's also helps with the flu season, right? In theory, right? The idea is that you're not breathing what everybody else is breathing. So I've been worried about getting on a flight and, and catching a flu before COVID. So I think there's going to be some change, change behavior here forever. So after vaccine, after it looks normal, quote unquote, I think you'll see a lot of people take precautions that they weren't taking pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and, and it's, It'll be weird, um, you know, to see how people behave. And, and you're right. Uh, people will probably not be um, kissing and hugging, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, you know, I'm an affectionate person. I like, you know, I, when, I, when I see people, I like giving them the pound and, and pulling them in for a hug regardless oh, yeah. of gender. Of course, you know, there's the, the manly manly and then there's, whoa. But, <laughs> but, 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 but the reality is, is that, um, you know, things have changed. They're going to change for a while. But it, it just gets so frustrating because you look at the Biden administration or the incoming Biden administration, and they're in the process of trying to trans, you know, go into the transition, and the Trump administration is not cooperating or not working with them. And you know, uh, the Emily Murphy lady who's at the GSA who can approve the money, uh, I think she needs to do some soul searching because this dragging of your feet will cost lives, not just cause lives with COVID, and it could very well cause lives with COVID, because you can't just sit there and make all these different things and have the Biden people come in and decide and, and just know what they're doing. You've got to be able to work with them. But in addition, there's national security. You know that uh, if you look at 9-11 in 2001, they do think that some of the reason why we were vulnerable for 9-11 was strictly because of the um, recount uh, between Gore and Bush and how that delayed the transition because there's so much information that needs to be shared of between course. the two administrations. Yeah, the, no, every all the all the security experts always say our, our most vulnerable time is, is during the transition. 
um, from one president to the next president, because again, the relay of information, you want to get everything on board. You have to have department heads in place to make decisions. Um, there's a reason that there's so many backstops to this system. When you have a play, when you have a person in, in an administration like Trump who wants to buck all those traditions, it really puts us in a, in a bad spot. So from what I understand, part of the, the, the reason Biden isn't panicking is because Kamala's on the security, uh, what's it called? The um, Intel. Uh, well, no, well, she's on the Intel committee. Yeah, yeah, she's on the Intel committee. So she's getting briefed regularly. It's not what we need and it's not ideal, but he feels like they're going to hit the ground running pretty fast. It helps. I will say it really helps that Biden's been a vice president. He's been there for eight years. He knows exactly where we're most vulnerable and he knows exactly what he needs to share up. So it helps that he's not uh, a quote unquote new new newbie to this game. He's been there for a long time. He knows what he's doing, so that's good. But you know, of course, America is vulnerable when we're transitioning. That's that goes whether it's peaceful or at a time like this. I, I've never personally witnessed when it wasn't peaceful, so I can't speak to that. But um, hopefully, we just hopefully nothing happens and, and we get lucky in that sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it it's nerve wracking. It's scary because there's so much that needs to be done. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it, whether it's national security, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's just regular policy, you know, rebuilding after uh, the pandemic or during the pandemic, making sure people don't suffer. Um, Steve Mnuchin went ahead and basically uh, told the Federal Reserve Bank to return money to their treasury yeah. that the unspent money that had been used for um, uh, stimulus and for pandemic relief. And even though Biden could eventually get that money back. What it does is it makes it so that the Biden people have to start from scratch. Yeah. And you and I both know there's businesses, there's individuals who can't waste those 30 days, 40 days, two months, however long it'll take to get it back up. They need this relief and they need it now. And it seems, and I do really believe that all of the people in the Trump administration, not only Trump, who are dragging their feet or contributing to this delayed transition and doing stuff like Manusha did, they need to be held accountable. Yeah, for Trump, he was held accountable at the, at the ballot. But like guys who are, like you're saying, people who are in an administration who aren't on a ballot in two years or four years, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to make them accountable. Uh, it, it's something that we need to look into. But you're absolutely right, especially January, right? The holidays are over. There's a general like money push during the holidays where everybody's spending and economy's doing really good. January, February, March is really the dry months, right? Where it's cold, people are saving up. And people are not spending money. So Biden's going to come into that. People are going to be struggling. People are going to be coming off the holidays. And he's going to have to, I keep saying it, but he's going to have to hit the ground running. And it helps that, again, he has experience and he knows exactly what to do. And he worked on the stimulus when Obama first took over in 2008, right, With the when the economy was stretched. So, And his chief of staff is was in charge of that stimulus package too. So he's making the right moves. He's just in a in a position where he can't, start yet and it's unfortunate well and the, the thing is the fact that we don't have stimulus now is just horrible and yeah. i would not be surprised to see the stock market dive because don't forget what you're doing is you need stimulus year-round but more importantly a lot of retail and our economy still depends, depends a lot on retail a lot of retail makes up a significant amount of their money mm -hmm. makes a significant amount of their profits and their revenue during holidays fourth season. quarter yeah. you and i both know that the holidays are not going to be as lucrative as they've been in previous years. For sure. And it's so it's not, you know, not only do you have a case where a kid's not going to get his favorite video game, but that store 
is possibly going to go out of business and all the people who work for that store where the video games were purchased, they're going to be out of jobs. And it's going to have a ripple effect on the economy it already has when you look at the shutdowns. But, but the thing is, our government is not doing what it needs to do to make sure that people are able to survive this pandemic and the, the necessary shutdowns. I see a lot of countries are doing monthly checks. And we talked about it last week where Kamala had a bill to give everybody $2,000 a month that, that, that Mitch McConnell won't even look at. But if countries like Canada and, and Switzerland, all these countries are doing monthly stimulus checks to every single citizen of their country. And you look at in America and we're like, we're, we're bailing out the, the airlines and we're bailing out big businesses, which we need to help with. But the, the, the country is the people and it's always gonna come down to the people. If the people aren't spending money, if the people aren't moving and rotating, the, the economy is gonna always go, go down. Biden said it perfectly in the debates, right? He's like, the people are the economy. If the people are struggling, the people don't have money, the economy is not going to do good. It's just simple math. So I agree with you. The stimulus has to be number one focus. I know Biden's trying to work with Pelosi and Schumer now to try to get something before he takes office. Uh, I also think there's some political game there. He doesn't want that true $2 trillion stimulus on his record. He wants it on Trump's record. Um, I know there's some politics there. And Mitch McConnell already said, I don't want to put that on Trump's record. I want to put it on Biden's record. So there's politics going on when really we need to start saving people. And I'll tell you this much, there's that uh, special election in, or the runoff election mm -hmm. in, in, in Georgia, January 5th. Um, there's going to be a lot of Georgians who suffered this holiday. Yeah. And they didn't have to, suffering is going to happen. It's happening worldwide. But however bad they suffered, they would have suffered less had there been stimulus and had there been something, some action that the Senate had taken. And I think that it's on Warnick and Ossoff to go ahead and let the voters in Georgia know, look, this was bad and it didn't have to be as bad as it as it was and these two people we're running against are are, are a big reason for that and the party that they mm -hmm. represent yeah i mean both purdue and and, and what's her name kelly uh Lockler. yeah they both were were investigated for selling stocks right after they knew it was COVID was coming so they were they were they were briefed that it was coming they downplayed it to their constituents they sold stocks they bought stocks and companies that were going to do good all of that should be disqualifying as candidates in my opinion if i'm a voter and i'm looking like this person knew this was coming refused to help us told us it wasn't that bad sold stocks because they knew it was that bad i don't see why they're voting for them personally but if well, and not to admit and not to mention also white supremacists yeah no doubt and, and i know kelly got a, a bad rap but WNBA really to catter and help Warnock a lot. So if I'm Warnock and all stuff, I'm saying you guys need help. They refuse to help you. My first day in office, I'm going to vote for a stimulus package. So if I'm them, I'm campaigning on that. Right. Speaking of white supremacists, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. There's a lot of ways they can go nowadays. <laughs> the, the Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. Uh, he got bailed out this weekend uh by uh a two million dollars they did a crowd fund yeah uh and uh fascinatingly the people who put them over the top was a my pillow dude yeah and, and ricky, ricky Schroeder Schroeder, from yeah. silver spoons yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's just disheartening to be honest there was a lady who accidentally voted uh, in the wrong polling place 2016 and she got sentenced for five years in jail she was a black woman there was a black kid and i think in the south who the judge put them in jail during for nine months for not doing their homework during the pandemic. And 
there's there's a lot of cases like that across the world and here's this uh alleged murderer he he is a murderer right he's on he's he's indicted for that and gets gets bailed out and he's had every single chance in his life to to he's been privileged his entire life and his parents um are well off and yet here here we are where he's getting bailed out for for committing murder it's unfortunate it's fascinating he's only 17 and he said that he bought his gun with stimulus money which he shouldn't have gotten any direct stimulus money. Uh, he said he got with the $1,200. And first of all, his mom should have gotten $1,200. Right. And then maybe his mother would have, because he would have been independent, would have gotten an additional 500 So I'm really fascinated on how he bought stimulus money. But, you know, the thing is, is I don't ever, 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 ever want to hear from a, a conservative again when they talk about what black or poor people or Hispanics or people of color do with their stimulus money. This Bullshit, kid yeah. bought a gun and he used it to murder two people and to shoot another person. In a different state and he was looking for it. I don't care what anybody says. You don't cross state lines with the AR-15 to protect your own neighborhood. It doesn't make sense, right? So like I said, the system doesn't work for people like us. It doesn't work for black and Latino people in this country. And yet here is somebody, we always seen this, right? We saw this with George Zimmerman. We saw it with, um, the cops who kill black citizens all the time. We saw it with the, the, the murder of, of George Floyd. These white supremacists love funding that stuff and they'll bail somebody out if they, ha if they can, you know, $2 million is a lot of money um, to crowdfund. So it's unfortunate that we've come to this part of, 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 of society and how the country looks like. Yeah. Tamar Rice had a toy gun and he was killed by police. Yeah. Tamir Rice. This yeah. Kid... Cleveland, yeah. This kid shot three people, killing two, uh, with a automatic weapon or semi-automatic weapon. I don't care what the gun nuts say. I'll I'll call it what I want to call it, right? Um, and he walked right past the police, and and he <laughs> was able to turn himself in, and then he got bailed out, and now he's a cost celeb of people on the right. Um, and the thing is, if I was this kid, if he had any kind of sense, I would cut a low profile. Did you see that photo he took? with ricky schroeder at one of his attorneys no, i didn't uh, even see that at all night. i, I, I try yeah. not to pay attention to it yeah yeah he took a picture he's smiling he's got his he's got his uh his sunglasses over his head and his hat to the back just like he's some type of sniper and uh it's interesting he was wearing a t-shirt for a particular coffee company i won't name him um and that coffee company has come out and said uh, we had nothing to do with him because a lot of people thought that he had gotten an endorsement deal from wow, the coffee company because he was wearing a t-shirt. And the coffee company um, has had to come out and say, uh, no, we had nothing to do with it. And uh, no, we don't want, we don't want that smoke. Yeah. I didn't even see that to be honest. Uh, one of the things that uh, happened in the last, I want to say week, I'm not sure if it was in the last 24 hours, 48 hours. Um, did you see the interview? And I, I didn't put this in our prep, but I want to know if you saw this. Did you see the interview between the Breakfast Club and Hakeem Jeffries this week? I did. Yeah, I did. He. Um, Do you see how he dragged Sean King? Yeah, I love <laughs> how he dragged Sean King. There was a reference. There's a Jay Z reference in there. I know he drops a lot of Jay Z references. Shout out to Brooklyn. <laughs> but I, I don't think a lot of people understood what Hakeem Jeffries was saying when he said, "Don't be an ex victim on that summer dram screen," which is basically <laughs> saying, "If you keep coming." There's something coming back soon. <laughs> well, well, it's a funny thing. So, you know, he did three things that I thought were funny. First of all, he called him Jeffrey by his, I guess his. I didn't even know his, his real name was Jeffrey. He, he called him Jeffrey. Um, then he also um, 
basically call them a gentrifier, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of people say about you know these socialists. Yeah. And then he threatened to put them on a summer summer jam screen, yeah. which is, you know, of course I I will admit up until I started watching Jesus and Miro, I'd never heard that phrase. Yeah, no, um, I'm a big time Jay Z guy, so I understood it. It's it's yeah. it's New York hip. For anybody who doesn't know, it's New York hip hop lore. Every single year, the summer jam is the biggest concert, and it's famous for when you want to take a shot at somebody. You, you wait till Summer Jam and you put them on the Summer Jam screen. Yeah, it watching. wasn't it like 2001? He did that to Prodigy or something? He did it to Prodigy and he did it to Nas at the height of Nas's beef with uh, Jay. And he brought yeah. out Michael Jackson on Summer Scram. It was like Jay-Z, Jay-Z's obviously the king in New York when it comes to that stuff. And speaking of New York, how about them Knicks? Yeah. I might become a Knicks fan. For, uh, they, the, they, they had to... the draft this week. <laughs> and um, some of you may or may not know, I'm a graduate of the University of Dayton. Uh, and we had both the coach of the year and the player of the year this year. And uh, the player of the year was a guy by the name of Obi Toppin from Brooklyn. He played University of Dayton. Uh, we were hoping he'd go higher, but he ended up going to the Knicks. I was hoping he'd come to the Bulls, you know. And it was funny because all of my friends who went to Dayton you know, who live in various NBA towns across the country, we were all, of course, all the guys from Cleveland were pulling for him to go to the uh, yeah, Cavs. You know, because all of us also, all of us happened to live in towns that were high enough in the draft. Yeah. That we could have gotten him. Yeah, Chicago was at four. It was probably too high for him from what I read. I don't watch college basketball, so from what I read, it was probably a little too high for him. But, yeah, he fell to his hometown Knicks. There's not a better story than uh, the Knicks being in a rut and needing somebody to root for. And here comes a kid who who cries that he's coming home and coming to play basketball at, at, at the greatest arena in the world, and that's Madison Square Garden. So shout out to him. Shout out to everybody who was drafted and knows a little different process. You can't walk on stage and, and shake Adam Silver's hand, but uh, congratulations to everybody involved. The worst part about it is um, the Adam Silver referred it to, he said, Dayton University. And, you know, you have to understand, we're not a basketball school, so we don't get to see our guys go in in, in, yeah. in, in, the, in the lottery rounds and the higher rounds. And so we were all, all Dayton alumni across the country were watching this draft yeah. with an interest we've never had before. And we were waiting for him to say, from the University of Dayton, and he said, from Dayton University. See, I don't and, even, I'm, I went to art school, so I don't even know why that's disrespectful, <laughs> to be honest. Is it, is it not the right name? <laughs> Yes, it's the University of Dayton. It was the most disrespectful oh, thing gotcha, gotcha. that I'd ever had in, in my life. And and there was, just to put it this way, Adam Silver better never, ever show his face in Ohio. Not just Dayton, but the entire state of Ohio. <laughs> I'm we, sure we Adam inspired that. that. <laughs> we don't play that. So on, on that note, uh, I you know I want you to have a very happy yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah, you too. Yeah, yeah. And, and I want everybody who's listening to have a happy Thanksgiving. So for now, this is John Moore. Fadi signing off. Be safe, everybody. Enjoy your holidays, and we'll see you guys soon. See you next week.